Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Simo Hava, a Finn from a very, very cold place, even colder than where I was born in Moscow, Russia, <laughs> and a Google Analytics blogger. Welcome, Simo. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So I've always been a big fan of Google Analytics. Obviously, in online marketing, we have to focus on actionable results and measuring everything. I think in a way, though, that the conversion rate optimization community is a little bit of ignorant on the analytics and tracking side. And again, there'll probably be some pissed off hate mail coming my way after that comment. But, you know, we (laughs) got into marketing to get away from doing math and analytics and spreadsheets and pivot tables and reports. So let's talk about the importance of analytics for conversion rate optimization. I mean, I've always heard this saying, you know, and I believe it very strongly that what gets measured gets done. So why is it important to measure your conversion rate optimization efforts? Well, I mean, some of the things that we kind of do when we do analytics is we measure the entire journey the the visitor takes on the site. And I think that many people doing CRO are looking for the low-hanging fruit, and I'm I'm generalizing a lot here, but they're looking for kind of victories that are done with their on-site content, and especially landing pages. And analytics is just a longer journey than that. And and one of the reasons uh, GA, for example, is such a powerful tool is because it forces us to think in longer time periods than just a single landing, just a single session. Okay, so we can't exactly rely. I mean, I think a lot of CROs, especially ones that are heavily doing testing, have got their preferred testing tool, whatever that may be, and they rely on the reports. And when you get those, you know, four bars or five bars or, you know, yes, you have a winner kind of thing, they're counting on that, and that's the only thing they really care about. Has that been your experience as well? That's exactly it. One of the things that I've noticed is we tend to kind of, when we measure against a certain objective or hypothesis, we kind of misread this hypothesis in our work in that, if, for example, if we're doing something about a navigation, for example, the, the tool we're using for the optimization effort might kind of enforce us to set a conversion goal that's just way too far away from the navigation itself, for example, a, a revenue goal or something. And the way that analytics forces us to think is, is we have to dissect this entire journey and see what are we actually trying to measure against. And the things that these conversion platforms, A-B testing platforms, for example, do is they take away this entire lengthy experience and just put it down into these bars, for example, that you were talking about. And that can be quite detrimental to the actual effect you're trying to have with the testing plan. Well, and I think there's really two underlying issues there. And I mean, there's some wonderful testing tools and split testing built into content management platforms that I'm a big fan of. But in trying to make a simple user interface, like you say, you just get this one kind of signal. And most of us also being impatient will go, oh, okay, that landing page test just went into significance. So I'm going to lock it in. I got a real win. And I think there's definitely just an ignorance of basic statistics out there as far as what testing go or what sample sizes are or what certainty is. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think, but I I also think that it's not just limited to testing, of course. So we, 
organizations have a kind of tendency to drop into complacency at a certain level of their maturity. And we can see it in analytics as well. So I still see huge organizations with large, large properties who haven't touched their goal settings in two years, for example. So we fall into a rut. We kind of start focusing on different things and we forget the fact that data is just a process that requires nurturing just like any other part of a stable and and well-functioning organization. Okay, so what I hear you saying, well, there are two things. I want to get back to the whole notion of the customer journey and measuring every portion of that. But what I also heard you say is that analytics seems to be something that people think of, okay, well, I, I install, let's say, Google Analytics on my site, and I set up everything, and then I never touch it again, and not realizing that the environment is changing, the conditions are changing, the amount of nuanced information you may want out of your data is changing, or, or the kind of questions you want to answer. So you can't just you know, set it and forget it. That's exactly it. Part of the blame goes to this kind of, it's called the 90-10 rule, and it's been around for some time. I think Avinash Kaushik has been the biggest proponent of it, which basically says that you should be at a place where you can spend 90% of your resources and time on doing the analysis itself, and only 10% on optimizing and tweaking the tool, which has kind of brought people to think of this as a golden rule where you must only spend 10% of your time on the tool. So in other words, forget the tool and just work on the data. And I've noticed so long ago that the good old garbage in, garbage out is still valid here. So if you don't do the data collection right, all the subsequent steps of analysis, whether it be A-B testing or, or marketing analysis or customer lifetime value, all of them will be just they just won't give you good kind of data if you haven't got the data collection up to par. And it's something you have to really work towards. Okay, well, now we only have a few minutes before our first break, but can you break down some common kind of you set it up wrong kinds of things that you see with regard to measuring website efficiency and conversion rate optimization? I mean, the worst thing for me is to go, oh, crap, all of that data for the last six months is invalid because X, Y, Z. Can you help me fill in the blanks? And what are some of the common X, Y, Zs? Well, one of, one of the common XYZs is just um, relying on the basic metrics you get when you install and do no configuration. So bounce rate, for example, has had a phenomenally strong span as the most evil metric in the world. But as we all know, the bounce rate is just a diagnosis tool. It doesn't tell you about anything because that's the very nature of the metric. So we have to actively think about like what is wrong with bounce rate for our own questions. And then just lack of, lack of goal setting is another one. So people kind of tend to set these weird, unrelated goals that have nothing to do with their business objectives. I have never, ever been a fan of this time on site goals because the whole metric is a bit broken in GA, but it might be a good goal with some other kind of metrics and objectives you're measuring with, but to only have like two minutes time on site with no frame of reference why you pick two minutes as a goal is just something I see all the time, especially with publisher properties. Yeah, well, that makes sense because you, you want to measure some notion of engagement with their website exactly. because that's their product since usually those are ad-supported. How many pages have they seen? How long did they spend looking on it? Did they scroll down and see our ad at the bottom of the page? So, I mean, engagement as a broader thing is obviously something they should be concerned about. But like you say, just an arbitrary time on site, that does seem kind of Absolutely. one-dimensional. What are some other yeah. kind of common data setup issues? Like uh, you set it up wrong. 
Well, one of them is not using the referral exclusion list correctly. So especially if you have an e-commerce site and you're doing, you're sending people away to payment portals, for example. If you don't set them up as referral exclusions, they will come back as new sessions, as referral sessions, which means you'll not only be inflating your session count, but you'll also be misattributing your conversions because they'll be attributed to the referral from the payment site. And this is also a very common phenomenon, especially with large e-commerce sites where there might be a dynamic list of payment providers, for example. Okay, so what you're saying is they're on your site, then they go off to one of several payment processors, and when they come back, since they left your domain, they're now being counted as a new visitor, in effect, or coming from the cart entity or the checkout entity itself as the referral source. Yeah, you'll see stuff like PayPal.com got like 2 million euros last month. So well done on your PayPal.com advertising when it's actually just <laughs> returning visitors from the <laughs> PayPal payment, you know. So that's, that's misattribution. And that's a horrible, horrible flaw because you miss information about what the user actually came via. Was it AdWords or organic search or something like that? All right. Well, let's come back to that after the break. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, landing page optimization. This week, speaking with my guest, Simo Hava. Google Analytics developer, blogger, expert, may I say? That's fine. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, we were, t- we were talking about kind of counting. One of the things that we mentioned is there's these issues of counting across people across multiple domains, right? So they were on your site. They went to your payment processor site, came back. 
okay, now all of a sudden you're double counting them as a different visitor in effect. Are there similar issues when we try to go across multiple devices or different environments? How easy is it to actually track an individual? On I know it was harder way back in the day, but how close are we to that reality of being able to track someone across their whole online experience? That's still the holy grail. I mean, that's still the nut to crack. And, that, and that's the big kind of thing that we have to, as an industry, figure out how to do. The issue is the same as it was 15, 20 years ago. So we still have these web browser security checks in place, which forbid us from tracking a user across domains by using cookies, for example, first-party cookies. So we're still relying on an ancient and quite outdated cookie JavaScript combination of tracking visitors. This works fine when you're using the same browser because you can use stuff like cross-domain tracking and all these kinds of little hacks. But there's no way for a mobile phone to recognize Simo Ahaba, who was just on the website with his laptop. So there's no out of like browser-based way. Yeah, so the solution that we have now is overriding this cookie ID. So we're we're when the user authenticates to the site as a recognized authenticated person. So I log in as Simo Ahaba. I basically tell the analytics platform on the website or in the mobile app that, hey, it's me again. And that's okay, how so the stitching So it requires done. a login. So, I mean, the most popular logins then are great candidates for essentially universal or tracking. So, for example, Facebook knows when I'm on their site. They also know when I'm on my mobile phone. And yep. Google, they just recently announced, you know, they're going to do email-based ad-serving customization. And I heard recently from... Larry Kim from WordStream, for example, ran his big list through it and about 50% matched on that. So they're able to identify individuals at a 50% level for Google advertising. Do you see any kind of even more powerful or comprehensive ways to identify someone across devices? Absolutely. And I, I, I would love to see that. On one hand, as an analyst, I would love to use these kind of federated single sign-on portals that span across devices at the same time. That's a huge privacy discussion that somebody will have to have, and I, pro I bet it's already ongoing. So using these kind of federated user stores across devices purely for tracking, which inevitably leads to remarketing and retargeting, is just, it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem that, that has to be discussed as well before anything can be done about it. Well, okay, but and maybe this is my American Wild West uh, <laughs> perspective here. You're on the other side of the pond, as the English so quaintly put it. <laughs> but it seems kind of a non-issue if the choice is you're going to serve me irrelevant, unrelated crap in ads or more of a minority report experience where they're actually targeted to me as an individual. Yeah, it's got some big brother implications, but why is that so bad? I completely agree with you. As a, as, a, as a user of online services, I completely agree with you. I always opt for relevancy rather than kind of privacy. That's a personal choice I've made, and I, I might not actually use that with my clients with whom I'm much more careful. But the problem is definitely that people have to always have the opt-out, and the opt-out has to be explicitly stated. And that's kind of that's the issue, whereas analysts, if we introduce an opt-out into the system, we're kind of... It's an observer's paradox kind of theme where the person then knows that they're being tracked and their behavior might reflect this. Just like if, if on an A-B test they know that they're being tested, their, their behavior might be reflected in this. So they kind of opt out, you know, the ugly banner that comes in according to the EU law. We have to have the banner up there on the website telling they're being tracked. It actually can affect the very thing that we are trying to track.
and negatively at that. Yeah, so basically what, not only do you get less coverage, but you also get a self-selecting group. It's not an even representation of your visitors. It's the ones who care less about privacy concerns. Yeah, it's, it's not a representative sample at that point, and, and it greatly alters the kind of hypothesis we can do on the data when we know that this group is incentivized to not opt out. So maybe maybe they are like you and me, and they want relevant ads, which means that they also have some sort of invent incentive for wanting those relevant ads. It's a difficult discussion, to, and I'm hoping that it will be solved in a way that doesn't compromise privacy, maybe by taking the overtly anonymization of data, so making it sampled on a high enough level to not be able to pick out individuals, but that's not good for analysis either. So it's a, it's a very difficult dilemma. Well, I know that on Facebook, for example, they've always pushed the privacy limits and we're just getting user-generated content cattle to them, as I put it. So don't be surprised if they start with their privacy <laughs> settings wide open and then see how loud people complain and dial it back a bit, right? Yeah. Well, there, but there's a, um, an in-between. For example, they can help you identify custom audiences. If you import a list and say, here's... Here's people that I, I care about, you know, say past customers, find me more like these. They'll actually find based on the big data and all the other things they know about these people beyond the crude demographic targeting that you can do with Facebook ads. They'll actually are doing something useful and finding, I guess you could say, psychologically or response-wise, a very similarly disposed group of people. So is that the kind of thing you're talking about when you're saying kind of slightly aggregated at a higher level? Yeah, I, th I think there's, uh, but that's again one of the things that we have to draw, know where to draw the line. And the line will probably be drawn by a lawyer or a corporate lawyer or a civil case. <laughs> I don't, it might be different in the States. In the, in the EU, we're very much governed by, by the privacy laws set here. But that's definitely the kind of aggregation I'm talking about because that would let us toe the line where we're not trying to identify people as individuals. We're trying to identify interest groups to whom we can do trend-based targeting, for example. And in a way, that would, I would argue that that's much more powerful. I very much enjoyed and gotten a lot of meat out of Phil Barden's uh, fantastic book, Decoded. And you know, one of the things he, he talks about is you know, brands don't have a target audience in terms of demographics, if you will, the obvious external stuff, mm. but rather they're often situational. So find me people that at a particular place and time are predisposed to react to this in a favorable way. So that, that kind of unbundles everything and looks for, uh, I guess you could say, psychological or even you know, pre-conscious, unconscious affinities that groups of people may have without knowing it. That makes a lot of sense. I've, I've always wondered about the kind of, I mean, GA doesn't let you track personally identifiable individuals. That's, that's very strictly stated in the TOS. And I've always wondered, why would you want to do that? I mean, isn't it infinitely more scalable to target groups or even larger aggregations than to kind of bombard individuals based on their individual tastes, which might be outliers in your overall kind of advertising scheme? Yeah, exactly. So I guess you could say it's a, that demographics and our targeting via you know age, zip code, gender, things like that are, are relatively crude tools. And in a way, I think we have to kind of put ourselves in the hands of the companies that already have this big data to hopefully have them tease out more meaningful kinds of response affinities is my own word for it. I don't know if that's a word, but... 
<laughs> Sounds good. You just launched a new term. Okay, there you go. It's trending on Twitter right now. Response affinities. You heard it here first. Uh, after our final break here, I want to come back and explore a non-nerdy side of you. Well, wait. Let me take that back. I understand that you are a ukulele player. That's right. I am. Okay, we'll we'll check in on this. My my daughter just learned ukulele in school last year, and she had a blast doing it. Maybe we can even convince you to play a few bars. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. My guest this week, Simo Hava, the Google Analytics blogger. Uh, Simo, I busted you. You have two nerd-like pursuits, Google Analytics and ukulele playing. Would you care to <laughs> serenade us uh, with a few bars? <laughs> this, I will give you a few bars and that's it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Our first live performance on LPO. Go for it. All right, straight from Hawaii or Finland, this is from Helsinki. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much. Yay. Okay, so I do believe we had somebody do a little bit of jazz scat singing in the past. So, But this is the first, an instrumental performance on LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Thank you so much, Simo. I wanted to just wrap up this segment with just a few quick tips of how to do it right. What are things that people are forgetting to do that as they're either setting up their analytics for the first time or are after long neglect, looking at their analytics again, give us some three tips that they should be looking at right now to improve their conversion rate optimization. Sure. The first tip is overarching and spans your entire organization. So treat analytics right. Treat it as a process that requires work and dedication and unfortunately some resources and money as well. Just because GA is free doesn't mean you should spend no money on maintaining your analytics. Just like in the old days, people used to say SEO is free as if you didn't have to put any effort into it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, your work costs money to the company and it, it is a dedicated resource that, that you'll almost always need. So yeah, definitely in terms of like hours put into the tool, that's already a cost. Yeah. So the second tip is the only thing that matters in a tool like Google Analytics is that you turn it to your company's advantage or organization's advantage. So set goals that reflect the actual goals you have in your properties, in your websites, in your mobile apps. Setting goals is is the one overall most important thing you can do in your analytics tool. Okay. And the third and the third tip is to anybody doing A-B testing, even though the A-B testing tools like Optimizely BWO, they're, they're excellent tools and they have very good and smart analytics interfaces in themselves, I strongly suggest to start pulling the data into GA so that you can actually align tests and variation data with the overall customer goals you have on your websites and your mobile apps. So let me just recap. The first, the first is don't starve analytics. Devote resources and time and effort and invest on an ongoing basis. The second is, or as I like to say, you know, what gets measured gets done. The setting of goals, make sure you're setting goals and setting the right goals. Like you say, um, doing that over the, the course of every interaction with a prospect, right? From the smallest micro conversions to feeding back notions of lifetime value over many months or, or even years in some case, right? Exactly. And then finally, uh, what I would call use a, belt and suspenders approach. Don't rely on your tools. Don't rely on your testing tools. Pull it into GA, cross-check it, slice and dice it in different ways, right? I just love the way that you have a term for everything. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> I'm going to have to use those, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't starve your analytics. Uh, what gets better gets <laughs> exactly. done. You use a belt and suspenders. Okay, I think that right there is a perfect place for us to end. Simo, if people want to read your blog and get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Visit simoahaba.com. My contact details are there. I'm always looking for content ideas, people to comment on the posts, get discussions started. So that's definitely the best way. Okay, and that's S-I-M-O-A-H-A-V-A, simoahava.com. All right, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Very much enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. And loyal listeners, we will see you on the flip side. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.